The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Well, hello. I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bumber Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the Optimism Doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to this week's episode of Looking Up, but before I do, I'm just going to make a public reminder to keep myself sort of accountable to myself to just go through my intro a little bit slower because my grandma, who yes, is an avid looking up listener, which is so amazing and so sweet, called me up the other day. And I don't know if you guys agree with her or not, but she said that sometimes I run through my intros a little bit too quickly and I I have been known to speak really fast. And she wanted me to slow down. So this slowered down, more intentional, um, not speeding through intro is especially for you, Nani. I love you. Okay. Chronic illness is one of the most prominent and undertreated conditions affecting people today. With six out of 10 adults dealing with some form of chronic illness, Addressing the intersection of our physical health and wellness has never been more important, especially with COVID still on the rise. This week's episode of Looking Up is sort of a personal one. As I chat with my very good friend, Dr. Robin Burzen, who is the founder of Parsley Health, she really challenged me to think about what we can do to better listen to our bodies and her perspective on managing the relationship between our minds and our bodies as one of the key aspects to sustaining our overall health and wellness was both insightful and wise. We talk about having and raising kids during the pandemic, how our bodies and minds communicate, the connection between our nervous system and our mental health, the way stress is processed in our endocrine and hormone systems, and how we stay present in our progress over perfect as we learn to better take care of ourselves. I learned a lot from her. Uh, To be honest, I always learn a lot from her. And I hope you enjoy this very candid conversation with my friend and founder of Parsley Health, Robin Burzen. This is like such a treat for me. It's a treat for all of you to get to hear Robin's story and a lot of her expertise and sort of nuggets of wisdom around health, really. And of course, we are always going to be bringing it back to mental health and resiliency. But also, it's just a treat for me because I miss my friend and it's so nice to catch up with her. I had to like force myself to press record and just get on with the interview because part of obviously what we're talking about is just what a lot of you are experiencing, working mom life right now and versions of it. And so we don't have as much time as we would like to dive in and catch up, but we will. We had to force ourselves to officially start this podcast. Yes. Probably kept talking for like two hours. 
Yes. On all the things, but we will do that. Yes, we will. Okay. So how we start looking up is with a little section that I like to call looking in. And it's just a series of a few rapid fire style questions. And you just answer first thing that comes to your mind. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Robin, is there a book that you have read that has actually changed the way in which you live your life? And if so, please share with us what that is and why. So I have, I have two, one I read years ago, which is a new, it's called a new earth by Eckhart Tolle, who is a famous meditation guide and philosophy, which changed the way I thought about just happiness and my relationship to my inner world. And I think it's a really powerful book. He's famous for writing the power of now, which is also a really good book, but I find harder to digest or something. So a new earth is great. And I just read, this is my other one that's been helpful to me recently. So I'll share it, which is the soul of money by Lynn twist, which I think is a really important book for all of us who live in anywhere because money is part of all of our lives. And it was a really beautiful book to think about how to make energy uh, money an energetic tool in your life as the pencil of God, rather than this thing that controls you. So I, I like that too. I actually haven't read that one, but I have heard of Lynn Twist and I have definitely read your first recommendation, which (laughs) I recommend too. Okay. Next question. People think I'm blank, but actually I'm blank. Uh, People think I am super organized in type A and have it all together. But if you saw my bathtub, which is littered with half my closet or my inbox, which as of today has 825 unread emails in it, you would know that there is a side to me that is very not organized or together. (laughs) Um, I knew that actually, but I also had that sort of preconceived idea or notion about you, but I still think you have it all together. It's just not always as neat as we think it might be. I actually just don't have it together. And people think I sometimes have it together, but I have nothing of it together. I'm always like, I feel like I'm always just piecing everything last minute sort of that'll work. I'll just, you know, do that here, do that there. And it does end up working, but the planning part, which drives my husband crazy is not, it's not part of me. I just, I wish you have it all together. You just put it together in your way. Yeah. In my way, in my very, very, very messy way. (laughs) Um, Okay. Three words to describe yourself as a teenager during the high school years. (sighs) Outgoing a bookworm book nerd, which I know those two things don't seem like they go together, but I was both those things. And like the nice way to say it would be independent and the not as nice way to say it would be defiant. Like I was always the kid who was telling her parents that she was at the movies, but I was really like in a car with some boy and her friends like driving somewhere I wasn't supposed to be kind of thing. (laughs) That <laughs> it's so funny. I just remember, like, I, like looking back, I'm like, I was a really, really good kid. I feel like I had this rebel inside of me somewhere, but I always had this like voice of like, I was super cautious and like very, like scared of sort of doing things that maybe were were not what I was supposed to be doing. And I remember like my version of like sneaking out was I would definitely sneak out, but I would sneak out to meet people in my car on my driveway. Like that's as far as I would get. And it still felt really like, oh my gosh, I've snuck out, but I could never like 
turn the car on or like leave the driveway. So I would sneak out to my driveway and everyone like I'd have to like everyone would have to meet there. Like if it was friends or a boy, but like we never would go anywhere. And I would always like be able to see the house. Like it was in the driveway. It was like so interesting because I feel like that's very telling of even who I am today, which is like, I want to take a risk, but like the risk is so um, sort of calculated and thought out and intentional and it's not that risky, but there is still a little bit of a risk. Like I would get in trouble, but not too much trouble because I'm in my own car in my driveway and if like I could see my parents. <laughs> okay. When's the last time that you cried? Oh, about 48 hours ago, uh, I was saying goodbye to my childhood home. Uh, speaking of, I, well, we, I grew up in a, in downtown Baltimore city, so we didn't have a driveway. We just had like out front on the street, but my parents are selling the house and moving on. And, uh, I was there with my kids and my husband over the weekend and saying goodbye. And I took videos and photos and, you know, it just brought up all the memories. Like you're asking about high school and I'm like, I just went through this. So yeah, I cried with my mom outside the house like yesterday. <laughs> and without too much thought um, or judgment, three things that have brought you joy today. Snuggling with my little baby girl this morning. She's 16 months and she's at that like super cute age. Going to this little health food cafe in the neighborhood and running into people I know and don't know from sort of the health and wellness world and feeling like we're post pandemic for real a little bit. That was really like serendipitous encounters. It's been so long since that would ever happen. Uh, And oh, I had a really, I had my third trimester pregnancy blood testing today at Parsley, and it was a delightful experience. Very easy, lovely. So that I love that. Like very few people would say that a doctor's visit brings them joy. But to be honest, I've heard a lot of people recount that when visiting Parsley. And I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting across from virtually the Parsley founder herself, but it's just a happy place. Like I've gotten the chance to, you know, go in for some visits to the LA space before. And I know exactly what you intended to create and the vision that you had. And it's so beautiful to see. And so many people look forward to being proactive about their healthcare um, with Parsley, which is just like in itself, such a sort of switch up to just what we normally view or have had memories of viewing like healthcare. It's just this drag usually. And I think it really, that drag ability of it, which, or that drag sort of part of it, which I know we can talk about, I think in a lot of ways, it comes with the detriment of people not really taking care of themselves and, and not really wanting to sort of be accountable or or go for checkups or or do those sort of things because it's really not fun. It's actually a very unpleasant experience for the most part with just down to sometimes bedside manner to wait rooms, how long you have to wait, you, you know, schedule someone to take care of your child and you go sit at a doctor's office for hours and you have to leave before you even see your doctor. Cause you just, and I can't tell you how many times that happens. Um, oh. not at Parsley though. And you know, down to even like the color scheme and the lighting and what the, the environment looks like around you. Um, so all of that I know was really, and so much more was part of why you created Parsley. And I wonder if you could just I'm sure you've talked about this millions of times, but could just give us a little bit of some background of what Parsley really is, what it means to you and why you created it. You know, you're saying it 
in a different way. And the way I would say it is that like our health is, is happening in the 99% of our lives that we're not in the doctor's office. And yet medicine has become so medical medicine, medical care has become so hard to access, difficult to navigate, unpleasant to navigate. And we get the message from the healthcare system that, you know, wait till the wheels fall off the wagon. And when you feel really, really bad, you know, that's when you reach out for help. Right. And so we have people who are living for years, for decades with the kinds of problems that we all experience today. Six in 10 American adults, six out of 10 of us have some sort of chronic health issue. And as women, it's a higher number because we go through our childbearing years and we go through menopause and none of these things are necessarily diseases, but we're dealing with the facts of our body, our hormone issues, our digestive issues, autoimmune conditions, migraine headaches, depression, anxiety, blood sugar issues. All of these things are things we all live with that we don't seek help for until it gets really, really bad because the healthcare system in its setup, in the experience you just described of wait times and horrible, horrible waiting rooms and not even getting to see your doctor and only getting the bare minimum done in that 10 minute visit, the healthcare system has implicitly said to us, don't come here. And so when I started Parsley, it was in recognition of the fact that today, most of the things that we all deal with are part of our lives. They're part of this lifetime of a cycle of health and illness where you might be dealing with that GI issue or those headaches or that hard time getting pregnant or the hormonal imbalances and that health and wellness need to come together and be part of your life. And so we created Parsley to be a different kind of medical care, a different kind of medical service designed specifically around these chronic conditions, designed specifically really with women in mind and designed to help people actually improve their health, resolve these conditions and have an accessible partner to manage them over time. And so the Parsley physical spaces, most of our members are online now fully and and all over the country. So not everybody comes in, but when you, if you do ever see a photo or you do come into one of the Parsley spaces in New York or LA, they're designed to be a happy, optimistic experience because it's time for all of us. If we are going to engage with our health and engage with medical care, medicine, medical care has to be engaging. And the spaces are sort of the physical embodiment of that. But I'm proud to say that our online members get that same vibe. They just get it online. Well, I certainly, obviously, coming from my background, don't take sort of environment lightly. Like there is a huge psychological component to the environments that we're in. And it's like little things can be so helpful. And so I think that even if it's not at your where you're getting your healthcare, but also urge and inspire people to think about the environment that they, like you said, like 99% of our health is happening outside of sort of a medical visit. And so what does your car look like? What does your bedroom look like? What's your home like? Right now, I know we're spending so much more time in our homes, but our offices, all of these places that we spend time in, like we get to actually have some form of control over what colors are around you, what is the textures, you know, just the lighting, um, all these types of things, the, the scent, 
all these things that we can we can actually start to think about and put some control back in our life because we don't have control over everything, but there are some things that we do. And so I think that that this year in particular, a year plus, I've really started to see people be so much more intentional about how they spend their energy, whatever that means, um, mm-hmm. and how they consume um, and whatever that means, you know, all the way from obviously articles they're reading to social media feeds they're following to people that they're talking to on the phone or virtually or in person to the products that they buy to the supplements that they take like everything it's almost like we had this like reset button that's sort of like or or almost like a elimination diet where a lot of things got taken out and now we're like I would definitely inspire people to be intentional with what you're bringing back in. And it's a great time to kind of be like, does this feel good? And, you know, some things we have to do, we have to do. And I'm not going to be one of those people that's just like, we have control over everything. And sometimes there are things we have to do. And that's one thing, but there are other things that we can add in our life or take out of our life. But anyway, that to me has been sort of like a silver lining of this past year plus. There's been a lot that's been a struggle but for you, I wonder what has been the hardest part of the last year plus and what has been something that you would think of as a silver lining in it or a blessing? You know, starting a company or in any startup and, and any project or endeavor that you, that you take on, I feel like it's just one long, long, long lesson in resilience. Like, it messes up and then you have to, you know, you fall down and you have to kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps, like emotionally or literally. And that's kind of anything. And so starting Parsley a few years ago certainly has taught me that over and over and over again. I think, you know, in COVID, I had a baby in February right before and was so like, I'm coming back. Life is beginning again. I remember like going out to dinner for the first time, like a month after baby, which was early March of 2020 and being like, life resumes. I'm so excited. Here I come, everyone. Ha! Um, and the universe was like, ha, 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 ha. No, go back home. Uh, <laughs> so I went back home. But I think, you know, in that moment, not only was it terrifying for all of us to confront what is in our lifetimes, a complete unknown of a virus that we can't see and we can't touch and we can't understand and we don't know how to treat and you're washing your groceries off outside the house and stocking up on toilet paper and and, and living in that kind of permanent emergency put a tax on all of us when it came to our fatigue level, our anxiety level. I just see unbelievable levels of burnout that resulted from that because when you're already kind of living in go, go, go. And then suddenly you're living in this sort of perma emergency state that we collectively lived with that in and of itself, no matter what's going on in your life is challenging. And then for me, I had new babies. So we're sort of, you know, fogged and breastfeeding as we, some of us can recall if you've done, if you've had that experience or just the experience of taking care of, of anything new in your life like that, that's all consuming and I remember telling the team we were going to move to work from home and it was just going to be a couple of weeks. And I remember a month later, working out of my bedroom, holding baby, laptop balanced on lap, and being told by our investors and by the world that maybe the economy was absolutely imploding and to batten down the hatches and do everything you can to save your organization because it was that like we're sinking mentality. And 
that was a really dark time. Like that was really hard and not being able to be around my team and to be in the office, to feel physically isolated, looking at everyone through a screen plus balancing a baby. I think that was a really, a really challenging moment. And so I, I, like all of us would never have asked for that. Right. Would never have said, yeah, give me this global pandemic and send me to like be trapped in my house for a while. However, there's a couple silver linings. And one of the first ones was with my daughter. Uh, I got to be home with her every day. And with my first child, my son, I had been on the road. I've been flying to LA to see you. And I had been, you know, flying to San Francisco and doing all these things and running to the office every day. And breastfeeding with my first was really, really hard for me and just kind of never worked really. And so with my daughter, I had this unforeseen luxury of which I had never imagined for myself, like never uh, of working from home and being able to breastfeed and being able to be with her, which I look back now and I'm like, wow, what a special gift I was given in the midst of all of this chaos. Right. So, you know, bargain for it, but it came for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, when you were talking about all of us going through this period of just heightened anxiety and and basically survival mode, I know for myself, you know, despite or or even especially, I think I, I want to share because of what I do and sort of what my expertise lie in, I've really had a hard time sort of coming down from threatening situations um, after this year. Like just example after example of of things that have happened, like my parents were living with us, for example, for part of this. Thank God. I felt so lucky and blessed. As I shared with you before, we had a really tough time finding any sort of childcare help and school was supposed to start for our oldest. And that obviously didn't happen for preschool. And so both my husband and I were working full time at home. And also we had a baby during the pandemic as well. And so my parents were with us and I just remember like this one night, and I I think I've shared this somewhere before recently, but I don't remember where. And my, I heard some sort of like yelling going on in the middle of the night. And so Alex and I woke up and like pretty panicked, like what is happening? And my first thought, and I think his as well, was like someone was in our house. Something was happening that was not good and a threat. And we ran over to my parents' room where they were staying and quickly saw that my dad was having some sort of just cramp in his calf. And he gets that sometimes. And he was just sort of like, he's like, I'm okay. Like he was fully okay, but like it was hurting and it had happened before, but we just hadn't known that because he was staying with us. And very quickly, my husband was able to come down from it, walk back to our room. Like he was like, gosh, that was scary, but I'm glad it was nothing. Everyone's okay. And he could go back to sleep. And it literally took me like two hours, I would say, to have that like fight or flight the physical part, especially in my body, the heart racing, the like palm sweaty, the like shortness of breath, like all of that to actually come down, even though my mind and rationally, I told myself everything's fine. So I've really found that my, like what has happened to me physically, it was already something I like definitely, I've always had like a little bit of nothing ever diagnosable and again, this is like what I do. But if I had to err on something, it would definitely be on anxiety. And, you know, I like worry or just racing thoughts. And 
this last you know year has definitely doubled down on that. And that's one thing I've really noticed is like when there is a situation where I feel like I sort of tense up or something threatening might be happening, it's really hard for me to come down. And I do all my tools and the breathing and you know, the things that work for me. One thing I've definitely learned for myself is to write down, like I have a running list on my phone of sort of my toolbox. And it's just a bunch of activities, really, really short ones or sometimes longer ones. But like every time I experience an activity that brings me joy or calmness or feeling grounded, whatever it is, I jot it down because in those moments, it's really hard to think of what they are. And so I flip open my phone list and I'm like, what, which one of these speaks to me right now? What can I do right now? You know, whatever it is. And that has been something that's helped, but I just want to put out there that this is really, this time has like really impacted all of us, regardless of what our backgrounds are. And, you know, just if you're a human, you've been impacted. And I think that there is like a sense of togetherness and self-compassion that we can really take from that and not, you know, in the past, I think I've really judged myself too, which being like, how can you be experiencing this? You're the optimism doctor. But, you know, that's part of being the optimism doctor and everything I talk about is like, we are meant to experience the full range of emotions. There's no person that just experiences, you know, joy all the time. And so it wouldn't even be joy if that was the case. So anyway, my little tidbit to share that, you know, this has definitely been a really trying time and anxiety is something that I feel that for so many people has either been something new they've experienced this year or an uptick to what they've already experienced. And I just am so grateful that places like Parsley, which are focused on, you know, whole health and functional health and medicine. What have you been seeing I know you just said a lot of anxiety levels and even probably stress hormone levels, cortisol, like things increasing or raised right now. How is Parsley, if at all, doing anything differently after this year? Are there things that you guys as a team are sort of seeing more in terms of people presenting with whatever symptoms they're presenting with or stories that they're presenting with? And are you guys doing anything differently after this year that you will continue to do? Yeah. You know, again, many people are sort of silently suffering with their gastrointestinal illness, their hormone issue, their PMS, their PCOS, their menopause, their endometriosis, their anxiety, depression, brain fog, or their, you know, autoimmune issue or body pain, the things that people were dealing with before. And what happened in the pandemic was that the heightened anxiety and heightened state of emergency and lack of ability to come down, as you put it, which is accurate because once you get a stress response, it actually takes 48 hours for the neuroendocrine system, the nervous system and the hormone system to finish the work of clearing out the hormones and neurotransmitters that are released in response to a stress. So what a lot of people think because of how we've been taught is that anxiety, depression, burnout, these things are in my head as if they're sort of locked in your brain and not affecting your body, but they're actually biochemical responses that are highly adaptive. We're meant to have them. They're not a mistake. They're not a problem in the body. They are a problem though, when day in and day out, you're in stress response. And so your body is flooded with these neurotransmitters and hormones again, day in and day out. And that starts to 
send everything else out of whack. So what we saw and what we continue to see is the worsening or the heightening of people's underlying chronic conditions. And, you know, 80% of our members have at least two conditions going on, two things. And they don't always know that when they come to Parsley, often we're diagnosing them, but your anxiety and your IBS go together, your thyroid issue and your irregular periods and hormone imbalance go together, your depression and your gut microbiome issue go together. And because we look at the whole body, we're able to connect the dots and help people kind of wind their way out of some of these issues by addressing both things instead of sort of saying, well, here's the psych department over here for your brain. And here's the heart department for your heart and the gut department for your GI tract. That's not how the body works. The body is an interconnected ecosystem. And so what we've seen is the, the worsening, the heightening of these sometimes low grade, sometimes very serious conditions that people were already coming to us for that could no longer sit on the sidelines. Mm. And so I always tell people, and a big focus of what we do and what we've done and said in this time is listen to your body, because sometimes it's too much or too complex or too hard to sort of be with your emotional state and try to analyze it, try to intellectualize it, try to put it in a box, try to like write your you know college paper about it. You're not going to do any of that. But if you feel that your digestion's going crazy or your hormones are super out of whack, or you have what we call FLC, feel like crap syndrome, and you just feel like crap every day and you're not sure why, that is your body sending you a valuable and vital message. And that's your clue to get help. And what's interesting is that in our culture, and you're a big part of changing this with your work, but in our culture, we've said it's okay to get help when you break your leg or you skin your knee or you have a medical problem, but it's not okay to get help if you are sad or anxious all the time or can't fall asleep at night. Those things you like Google and DIY. Mm -hmm. And that is the wrong answer. And so what I've been pleased to see and what I think we'll continue to see is people raising their hand and saying, my body is sending me a message. I can't Google my way out of into an answer to this. I need real help to help me sort it out. So when people come in with the feel like crap syndrome, sort of like, I don't know what's going on. I just don't feel like myself. And I feel like crap every single day or I'm tired a lot or just I'm not operating on my like, I know this isn't my optimal, not even close. What happens? What's the trajectory? Is it a series of blood tests, a intake questionnaire? And in in that regard, do you see like with the FLC syndrome, do you often find that you actually can get to a root cause of something really specific and there's a name to it or there's some sort of treatment plan? Or do you oftentimes see a lot of cases where it just is not, they don't fit any sort of label or something with a name on it, which by the way, can be really frustrating. And you sort of don't really know what to do with them. And they've had that experience all you know, for so many years? You know, 80% of these kinds of conditions can be improved or resolved through a combination of nutrition, lifestyle change, and medical care. What doesn't work is medical care alone. And what doesn't work is 
nutrition and lifestyle change alone, which are unpaired with diagnostic testing or rooted in medicine. So what we do is bring them together. It is very rare that we are unable to pinpoint sort of what's going on to some degree. Now, sometimes that might not result in we've diagnosed you with a disease and given it a convenient name, right? Which I always remind people gives people a false sense of control because a diagnosis is just giving it a name. It's not right. making it better. However, like I said, 80% of these types of conditions, if not more, can be improved or resolved. For some of our patients, it might be um, a patient with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis going from multiple flares a year, needing to be on IV drugs, needing to get a surgical procedure done to having only one flare a year and not needing surgery. Doesn't mean their Crohn's or colitis is magic wanded away because that's never going to happen. However, it might put them into a state where their baseline is elevated. The same thing for somebody with FLC syndrome, feel like crap syndrome, we can get under the hood and say, is there an issue with your thyroid that's making you exhausted all day? Is there an issue with your estrogen balance that's making you have crazy irregular periods and horrible PMS half the month? Is there an issue with your adrenal function that is making it really hard for you to get out of bed in the morning and really even harder for you to fall asleep at night? Is there an autoimmune or inflammation marker that we can help bring down through the right nutrition, the right supplements, the right medication, as the case may be? We're really big on progress over perfection at Parsley. So it's, sorry for all the P's, but it's really about not assuming that what we've been taught around medical care that it's, oh, I'm just going to give you this pill and it's going to go away. But it is about moving into progress out of the state that you're in and into feeling better, which we achieve in over 80% of our members. Why is, and I don't mean this in any sort of way that is like I have a judgment on it, but I'm saying this as a person that has gone to many different practitioners, holistic, functional Western completely, Eastern completely. Like I have tried it all because I, as uh, as some people know, I've shared a little bit, have an autoimmune issue of my own. And I know you you know about it as well. And it's sort of like, I've always been told, I've had all the tests done, I've had everything done. Like I have a lot of like weird markers that are just like anomalies. Like, huh, you don't look like this is not presenting in a way that would be this way. It's not really that bad, but it's like always there. And I don't know why you have it. And it's sort of like random, sort of rare, can't figure you out, but something autoimmune is going on. And I've gone to a bunch of people and it seems like the majority of time people will be like, the first thing you need to do is cut out gluten and cut out dairy and cut out nightshades and and I'm all for that if that was, you know, going to be something that was helpful. I mean, I tried that for nine years before I got pregnant with my first. And I didn't really feel or see anything that was different. And like all I actually felt when I've tried this, like after those nine years, and then I kind of went back to stuff and nothing was really different. I don't get flares really like GI flares anymore. I have like inflammation in my joints and my tendons is what it kind of shows up for me. But I, nothing was ever, like I never did something for a long period of time and was like, wow, I really saw that that helped or decreased or diminished. What is it about gluten and dairy that is sort of, can everyone 
like not eat gluten and dairy or I'm just so confused why that's the first line. I am sure I've heard a lot of people like say, hey, when I stopped eating gluten and dairy and some other things, my lifestyle like really, really improved. My energy was better. I had less headache. Like I've heard that for sure. And I think that's amazing. But I've also heard um, on the flip side and experienced myself that that hasn't been the case. And then it's sort of like, I feel like I've gone to people and they've been like, they don't know what's left to tell me because I've tried the full elimination for so long and that's not working. Or I've tried supplements and like, it's just nothing is changing. And I don't want to believe that. Like, I really don't. And I know most of the Western doctors I see, they're sort of like, I don't want them to be right, which is just like, nothing you're going to do is going to change this. This just is it, unless you want to go on some really much stronger medication, which I don't feel like I'm at the point and I don't want to. Like, what do you do with someone like me? You know, we have a variety of tools in our tool basket. For some of our patients with autoimmune or asthma or GI issues, eliminating certain foods, sometimes gluten, sometimes dairy, sometimes sugar, sometimes nightshades, sometimes eggs is game changing. Like I have a patient who had severe asthma, was landing in the hospital multiple times a year on $1,000 worth of medications a month to suppress her asthma nothing was going to work, no amount of steroids because she was allergic to wheat and dairy and she was eating them every day. And when she stopped eating those foods, her immune system got a break because it didn't have to fight this war every day against these foods. It was patently allergic to that. No pulmonologist, allergist, asthma doctor, primary care doctor had ever tested her for. And boom, she's medication-free, not landing in the hospital, and she's a marathon runner, right? See, like, I want that. I'm like, I love bread so much, but I would give it like... I. But that is not everyone, right? And so you can hear that kind of story and be like, well, you know, if it didn't work for me, then that that must not be true. And the the answer is for some people, the dietary changes are Mm game-changing. For other people, they're not the answer. And gluten is not bad. Dairy is not bad. Nightshades are not bad. For some people, those foods really trigger a pretty prolonged and and systemic inflammatory reaction. For other people, they don't. An elimination diet is free and you can always eat these foods again. They're everywhere. No one, I always say like, if dairy is your life raft, no no one is going to let you drown. Like the American milk industry is here for you. You have Parmesan on the shelf. So like, don't worry, we're just going to away for a month or two and see what happens. Right. So I always encourage people not to get too hung up on these things. Cause it's like, live the experiment, see what works for you. But in your case, these things weren't game changing and you did the right thing. You're like, well, if I don't feel any different eliminating these foods and I've given it the proper college try, I would argue nine years is way <laughs> longer than I would insist on that. Then something else is going on. And those things can be hormone related. I have a patient who has adult stills disease and celiac disease and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So she has three autoimmune conditions. She was doing relatively well, relatively stable. Food really helped keep her from having flares. Food plus her medication. She was going to low grade amount of a medication called Celsept. And so for her, the game changing sort of combo for her was a lightweight level of a certain medication, but very low dose plus a certain dietary and supplement regimen. And we were good for like three years. And then she turned 50. And then 
her hormones started going wonky and she went into perimenopause. She started having irregular cycles. And we know that autoimmune, 80% of autoimmune conditions are in women. The scientific powers that be understand that there's a connection between estrogen and autoimmune disease. Beyond that, they're like, I don't know. I don't know why. But here's what we see. Someone goes into menopause. Somebody has a baby. Progesterone is very high with a baby. And then they have baby. And then things kind of level out a couple months later, postpartum. Progesterone drops. Estrogen goes back up. Autoimmune flares. Sometimes you'll see those first autoimmune flares after first baby. Sometimes somebody already had an issue like you will have it go quiet during pregnancy. Pregnancy is kind of like the oftentimes the sleepy time for autoimmune. And then you come out of it, progesterone drops, estrogen goes up and boom, our flare comes back. Our joint pain comes back, our GI flares, whatever it is. So we understand that. So for my patient of recent, the answer is not for her in cutting out more foods or in changing her diet at all. And there's no like anti-inflammatory supplement I can give that's going to change this. What we have to do is support her body. And she's on steroids right now because she's in a pretty bad flare to get through her steroids. And we have to support her body through perimenopause, which could last a year, could last three and help her level out her hormones such that her flares are less and then get into menopause, full menopause, post-menopause, meaning periods are gone, no more ovulation when the hormones for better or worse are stable. And then we'll treat her then. So it's, it's understanding the whole body and it's understanding that everyone's a little different. And I understand your frustration because you're like, well, I see these game changing stories of a food being the answer, but I'll tell you right now, autoimmune is really complex. It's really poorly understood. And for some percentage of those people, the, the rheumatologists are wrong. The foods are the answer. Yeah. And for another percentage, they're exactly right. What you eat isn't going to make a damn difference. But in my book, it's worth a shot. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there are like some things I think I can think of that I'm like, when I start to, to consume those things more regularly, I do feel like, I feel like virgy. And then I stop. So I think I've like, you know, I, yeah, I call it like on the verge, like vergy, where I'm like, uh, oh, I got a, something, mm-mm, something's like, I'm, I'm feeling something. I'm not going to let it get to this point. So I stop and I think it does help. So I think it goes back to that idea of like listening to your body. And I think that so many of us almost feel like we have to give ourselves permission or be told almost, like have it be a prescription to us to actually listen to our body and give our body that voice. Cause I am a true believer, you know, especially in the mental, the mental sort of emotional part of it that I agree with what you said a little bit before. And it's something I talk about a lot. Sometimes you can't actually figure something out cognitively. It's too much. Like we are at a point sometimes in our situation, in our lives that you cannot theoretically rationalize something. You can't cognitively figure it out. Sometimes we can. You can't talk it through. Sometimes you have to just literally be like, where am I feeling whatever this is in my body? Like, where am I feeling it? And like that, a lot of times I'll tell my clients that like, you know, if, if you just are feeling off or you're, you know, going through something, like sometimes just sitting down and closing your eyes and saying, can I, like, where am I feeling tense in my body right now? 
Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes that's the starting point. And I know we have to wrap things up. Um, we could talk forever, but Fairly. I think this was so helpful, especially on the concept of stress and and chronic illness and hormones. And a lot of these things, I think that we are not really being given the power and the, and really the vocabulary to think about as options. It's sort of like either, like you said, you break your leg, you go and you get it fixed or you get a cast you know, you have a cold, you take something for it, but like you're anxious or you can't sleep or you feel sad or you feel worried, whatever those things are. And that's just something that, you know, you got to figure that out. You got to just get through it. Good vibes only. Just to double click on that quickly, your body holds the answers. And so, you know, anxiety, depression, these things are physical experiences. They are not just thoughts. They're chemical, biochemical, neuroendocrine, infl- sometimes inflammatory experiences in the body. And so sometimes you have to get out of your head and into your body to experience what is happening and start there. And then the other thing that we see all the time in our patients is that by taking care of your physical vehicle, by taking out the sugar or taking out the alcohol or getting on a really great sleep regimen, you're not going to cure your anxiety or cure your depression or suddenly have a brand new outlook on life. But what you will have is a leg up. You will have a new baseline. You will be able to cope better. You will be able to pursue your therapy better or take your medication more regularly or have a lightness of being that you can't have if you aren't sort of addressing the body. So we do a lot of work with people, even though we aren't therapists and we aren't psychiatrists, we do a lot of mental health work. And the reason is that oftentimes there's a physical or organic reason that you feel the way you feel mentally and emotionally. It could be you have low thyroid function, which is a big driver of depression. One in five women will be diagnosed with a thyroid condition in our lifetime. Oftentimes, this gets misdiagnosed or undiagnosed, not tested for appropriately. Women are put on antidepressants, doesn't do a damn thing. They're like, I'm on the antidepressants. I take it every day. I'm doing all the right things. Why don't I feel better? It's not going to help you if your thyroid is, is low, right? So by dressing the physical, sometimes it puts us at what I call base camp. It's kind of like getting you to the bottom of the mountain. Now, listen, you still have to climb Everest, because of your genetics, because of your trauma, because of what you're going through right now. But you can't climb Everest if you're not at base camp. And if your body is not being taken care of, then you can't even get to that base camp. So as we just do a lot of that work and it's very complementary to what we see in the psych community. Absolutely. And that's one of the first things when someone comes to me and has come to me in the past with um, you know, depression and they've tried multiple things. I'm always like, have you gone to your GP or a functional medicine doctor? Have you checked your thyroid out? Like there's certain things that just exactly you're right. Aren't going to, nothing's going to really happen until you sort of check everything and you figure out the whole picture. Okay. What is looking up for you? What are you most excited about professionally, personally, just what's looking up for you? Oh goodness. I have baby three coming. So this is my last pregnancy. I'm under 90 days to go. So I'm determined to feel good and enjoy it as much as one can. (laughs) Um, And can't wait to meet this baby boy. Uh, I'm excited to spend some time out of New York city this summer with my family 
a little bit. And uh, I turned 40. I don't know when this is coming out, but I turned 40 in a few days from this recording. And so it's a big milestone birthday for me this June. So I'm also excited to have some parties and celebration coming up. Ah, that's so exciting. Okay. (laughs) The last thing that we do is you pick a card or I pick a card for you out of random from my things are looking up optimism deck, which I think you are familiar with. And it'll just be your homework for the day. I picked you this card randomly as you were talking. This is your card. Cultivate a sense of humor, the ability to laugh at yourself or something you found funny today. If you aren't already laughing out loud, try it. So it's this idea of just laughing at something, anything. Finding humor in something is actually a really powerful tool. It increases optimism, resiliency, joy, just smiling. So obviously it's better if it's authentic, um, but finding finding the humor in something. There is something funny every single day and laughing's really good for you. Yes. I love that. I have a homework assignment received. <laughs> nerd over here will do her yeah, homework. I know you will. You'll get an A+. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. I love you so much. I can't wait to catch up. Love you. Honored, honored, honored to be on Looking Up. And I hope I get to this fall post baby, give you a big IRL squeeze. I can't wait. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepa Chopra. For more info and how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up Optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.co. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is Me and Shaw Day by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism.